The number of rushing touchdowns scored by New Orleans Saints' new running back, Jamal Williams, is going to be entirely dependent on the production and reliability of the players around him. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast, networking your team every day. Thanks as always, make it Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you could subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss the latest episodes. And as always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter for Saints News Network, a member of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, it's Friday, so we got In Case You Miss It. We've got an extra long In Case You Miss It. It's going to be kind of parts two and three of our show today. We'll take a look at all the top 30 visits and private workouts that the Saints have had so far this week. So you get to kind of know who the potential NFL draft prospects they're interested in are. We'll also take a look at why Vegas believes so much in the New Orleans Saints with our FanDuel odds and much more. But first, how many touchdowns, rushing touchdowns in particular, how many rushing touchdowns will New New Orleans Saints running back Jamal Williams score. This is going to be a part of what we do every Friday here as we we lead up to training camp and the season and everything, kind of our Fan Friday big question of the week. And this week it was how many touchdowns will, rushing touchdowns will Jamal Williams score in 2023? And I think, I have your answer here, but I think the number of rushing touchdowns that Jamal Williams has in 2023 is going to be entirely dependent upon how reliable the players around him either are or aren't. The fact of the matter for me is that Jamal Williams could range anywhere between 6 to 15 touchdowns in 2023, and I wouldn't be surprised by any, by any of those. Now, if you ask Jamal Williams, he'll probably tell you he's trying to score 20 them things. He's trying to get in the end zone 20 times and make sure that he is helping this team win. But there are a couple of things to consider when it comes to the 2023 New Orleans Saints season. Are they going to be just like they were in the red zone over the course of the past two years, which is bad, or will they be better in the red zone going back to 2020? Now, we should caveat that with Jameis Winston's first six games in 2021 were excellent in terms of their production in the red zone, but then injuries set in, and then you had three more quarterbacks and all these other things that ended up tanking Uh, that number. But we'll get to some of those numbers in a little bit. Let me give you your answer here. I had 21 responses to this tweet that included actual answers, right? And out of those 21 comments or all those 21 comments combined, the prediction was a total of 210 rushing touchdowns amongst those 21 people. So the average came out to be about 10 rushing touchdowns in 2023 being the projection for Jamal Williams. I think that's a good projection for him. I know that he would be disappointed in that. I've been told that his goal is much higher than that, about double that. And so I still think this is probably a good range. And the, the reason why I mentioned that this is a good range is because the Saints have a lot of different options when it comes to uh, touchdowns, particularly in the red zone. And when you think about where Jamal Williams is most impactful in 2000 
and 22, where he had 17 rushing touchdowns and led the NFL, 16 of those all came. 16 of those all came in the red zone. Now, that doesn't mean that that's the only place where he can be effective. Remember, we've, we've spoken about this a ton. Just because that's where the Detroit Lions utilized him doesn't mean that that's the only thing that he can do. But that's the most recent number that we have to work with. And there are a couple of reasons why we look at that number. The first thing to consider here is that the Saints were 26th in the NFL last year in terms of red zone plays run. They ran only 123 plays in the red zone last year. The most was Kansas City at 209, so nearly 80 more than the Saints. The fewest was Denver at 90. There you go, Sean Payton. Enjoy that. Uh, 24th in the NFL when it came to red zone touchdowns with only 25. Top of that list doubled them. That was Kansas City with 50. Bottom of the list was 19, the New England Patriots. Let's go back to 2021, where they ranked 20th in red zone plays run with 147, 15th with red zone touchdowns, 33. 2020, however, first in red zone plays run, 187, first in terms of red zone touchdowns with 49. So if the Saints can get back to that level of play like they had back in 2020, then you can easily see Jamal Williams for coming in at more than 10 rushing touchdowns, especially if you consider the fact that Alvin Kamara will likely be suspended for six or more games. Now, we'll have to see what that actually ends up looking like. But if I operate under the assumption that he's going to be not available to the Saints, Alvin Kamara, for six games, that gives Jamal Williams a ton of opportunity to get out there and be able to put points on the board. And just looking at the red zone stats, that's a place where the Saints usually get their running backs a lot of their touchdowns. You look at Alvin Kamara back in 2022, 15 of his 16 rushing touchdowns all came in the red zone. He was first in the NFL that year. So this isn't specific to Jamal Williams being a short yardage runner. This could be specific to the New Orleans Saints offense in the way that they deploy and utilize their weapons in the red zone. They like to utilize their running backs there or Taysom Hill. Uh, they were 28th in the NFL that year in 2020 in terms of red zone touchdowns. That number dropped to 10 red zone touchdowns in 2021, followed by 10 red zone touchdowns in 2022. Not great. <laughs> Not great in terms of what it is that they were looking at getting done there. So they've been trending in the wrong direction when it comes to red zone touchdowns. But if they can get back to that level of play that they were at in 2020, which is the last year that Drew Brees led this offense, which is kind of what they're trying to get back with Derek Carr, um, you know, a little bit more of a you know, pre-snap quarterback that can identify protections, make changes, things like that, that can operate closer to the line of scrimmage, all those things, right? This is what they're trying to get back to. So if they can get back to that 2020 level of production, then that says good things for Jamal Williams and his rushing touchdown number. Let's look at another thing here. Rushing touchdown leaders and the year that follows. 2021, Jonathan Taylor led the NFL with rushing touchdowns at 18. 2022, that dropped to four. He, of course, dealt with a lot of injuries that year. Derek Carr in 2020 led the NFL at 17. That number dropped to 10. Again, injuries played a role in that. 2019, Derek Henry and Aaron Jones, the Green Bay Packers running back, led the league with 16 rushing touchdowns. Henry would go on to lead the league for a second year in a row in 2020 with 17, but Aaron Jones dropped to nine. So on average, there's about a 40% drop here. And that's a little bit of an unfair number because of the injuries to Jonathan Williams, or excuse me, Jonathan Taylor. And then also, of course, the injuries that Derrick Henry dealt with in 2021, missed games, all of that. So we'll give it a 40% decrease, but also understand that number is heavily weighted and impacted by injury. 
So if you look at uh, Jamal Williams, who had 17 rushing touchdowns last year, you apply a 40% decrease to that. That puts it at 6.8 touchdowns, seven touchdowns. So seven rushing touchdowns would follow the trend, injuries included, over the course of the past couple of years. Now, if he doesn't get injured, if he doesn't miss games, then all of a sudden that 40% decrease probably doesn't apply as much. So that's good news. The other thing to consider here in terms of how the other players around him impact him, Derek Carr, of course, is a big part of that. Can Derek Carr lead an efficient offense that cashes in in the red zone? That's something the Saints didn't have last year and that they struggled to maintain in 2021 after um, after Jameis Winston's injury. So when you look at where the Saints have been successful before, believe it or not, since 2016, since Michael Thomas came into the league, across the NFL, he is seventh in receiving, or excuse me, in receptions in the red zone. Still, after missing all the games that he's he's missed, seventh in the NFL since 2016 in red zone receptions, eighth in the NFL in red zone touchdowns. So if he's healthy and producing, that might take some of those red zone scores away for that running back position. On top of that, Alvin Kamara, though, was eighth in terms of red zone uh, receptions as well. So there's the other part of how Jamal Williams could potentially get involved would be actually in the receiving game close close to the end zone. But here's the caveat to that. Michael Thomas was up there, you know, seventh since 2016 in red zone receptions, seventh, excuse me, eighth since 2016 in red zone touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, since 2017, has had the fourth most rushing touchdowns in the red zone. So even with declines over the course of the past couple of years in terms of the Saints' inability to produce in the red zone, even with Michael Thomas being an absolute beast since 2017, even with the missed seasons that he's had or missed games that he's had, being somebody that was leading in red zone receptions and and up there in terms of red zone touchdowns, Alvin Kamara still came in top five when it came to red zone rushing touchdowns. So even if Derek Carr is creating a more efficient offense that cashes in in the red zone that can finish off drives with touchdowns, even if Michael Thomas is getting a bunch of targets and getting a bunch of receptions, even if Taysom Hill is getting those touches, there still looks like there could be enough red zone carries there for Jamal Williams to be able to creep into the double digit set of or double digit count of rushing touchdowns in 2023, which I know he would love to be a part of. So for those of you that put him around 10, 11, 12, that's probably a pretty safe spot, but best believe he's gunning for quite a bit more than that. All right, coming up next, we're going to get started on our first portion, 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 portion of our In Case You Missed It show, giving you everything you need to know from a news perspective and why Vegas believes in the New Orleans Saints. Got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by friends over at Ultimate Pro Football GM. Have you ever wanted to be an NFL GM and manage your own football franchise? If so, this mobile app is for you. I use this all the time. When I was stranded in Atlanta a couple of days ago, I I was playing on, on the plane while I was sitting on the tarmac, not going anywhere, not moving, all those other things. Kept me sane, kept me entertained, all of those things. And especially because it is the NFL offseason right now. So being able to go through free agency, coaching hires, coordinator hires, sports psychologist hires, the draft, free agency, all of that on my own, kind of in my own little world. You can even import rosters and teams and things like that as well. It was just super fun and super cool. So if you haven't checked this game out before, you absolutely should. It's everything that that other console game that refuses to pay attention to its franchise mode owes you. <laughs> you can have it all right here in your pocket. Go and check it out today. Ultimate Pro Football GM. You can find it 
online at ultimate-gm.com or by searching Ultimate Pro Football GM in your game store or in your app store. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On in your game store to get a 100% free boost to your franchise. That's promo code Locked On in all caps for that 100% free boost in the game store. See, it's Ultimate Pro Football GM, ultimate-gm.com. Start your dynasty today. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Make sure you're checking us out every single Monday through Friday here on the show. Where am I everydayers at? If you're an everydayer, let me know. Sound off. Let me hear it. Uh, And make sure you're coming back for Monday, of course, because we'll have another mock draft Monday as well as we wrap up the week here on this Friday episode. And every Friday we do a, uh, a sort of, you know, special thing to get you caught up on everything that you might have missed throughout the week. Make sure you're all caught up with all the biggest stories. So today we're kind of splitting it up into two different categories, first of which is like newsy things that you should know. And then the second part we're going to get to here in just a moment, which is about the top 30 visits, private workouts, NFL draft prospects, all of those things. So what I want to start off with today, and I'm going to be keeping an eye out because I'm recording this and want to be careful to make sure that we don't have... um we don't have any big news that breaks while I'm going through here. But I want to start off here with our friends over at FanDuel. So FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, has the New Orleans Saints win total set at nine and a half. That means that Vegas believes in the New Orleans Saints. So should you is the big question, right? Do you believe in them to come in at you have a nine and a half win total set? It's either 10 wins or it's going to be nine wins. Like that's, that's where you pick, right? Over would be 10 or more wins nine would be, I mean, sorry, under would be nine or fewer wins. So depending upon where you feel the New Orleans Saints are there, I think there's a real easy reason here to say, hey, this is why Vegas actually believes in the Saints. I think part of it is weak division, right? That's going to swell your numbers. You got to play against six different, you have to play against three bad teams six times, right? A total of six times in the 2023 NFL season, twice against Tampa Bay, twice against Atlanta, twice against Carolina. That will probably swell some wins. They also have games against like the Rams and well, who knows what's going to happen, you know, with a couple of these other teams that they have on the schedule as well. And so because of that, I could see, you know, you can already kind of clock in a potential of seven wins here if they dominate within their division or they lose one game within their division, six games. If you include, you know, another weak team like the Rams or something like that, then all of a sudden you're in a position to where you're looking at winning three more games, four more games, and then bam, you're into the over, right? You're a 10 win team. So the Saints have long been the NFC South favorite, but now that you're seeing sort of this win total at nine and a half, you're seeing that the odds makers and, 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 and the folks over at FanDuel and the folks in Vegas believe in the New Orleans Saints. It's not really just a, ah, well, they're in a crappy division, so they'll probably win it with seven wins or something like that. Like they believe that the Saints will be a double digit, could be a double digit win team. And the, the range of teams in kind of the eight and a half range, that's usually where NFL odds makers place teams that they don't know what to do with. So like the Raiders and things like that could end up in that category. The the Packers could end up in that category. And so with eight, eight and a half, you're kind of just saying, okay, well, they might have a winning season. They might have a losing season. If you get it right, congrats. You got it right. If you got it wrong, all good. For the Saints, they're saying, hey, we think they're going to have a winning season no matter what. And I think the, one of the other reasons or the other big reason for that is, is the Derek Carr factor of all of this, right? I mean, there's no mystery here that oddsmakers didn't believe very highly in Jameis Winston, that oddsmakers didn't believe very highly in Andy Dalton or Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill or Ian Book, but they believe highly in Derek Carr, a guy who's been in the NFL for nine years and has won games uh, and is one of the best in-game quarterbacks in the NFL, a good field general, a good game manager, all the things that, that fit the New Orleans Saints offense. So I think that's a big part of it as well. Weak division, Derek Carr, 
They have their quarterback. They're building out their team. And they still have a really solid roster. I think they still have to continue to build up depth. They still have to figure out interior defensive line, linebacker, particularly depth there. Still want to add another, you know, big time pass catcher. Got to get running back figured out, all those things. And if you want some options at running back in this year's draft, I did a full breakdown in yesterday's episode of power backs, finesse backs, all around backs that you can go and check out for the Thursday episode of Locked On Saints. So that's why I think that the that that Vegas fan duel sports books that these guys all believe in the New Orleans Saints. Another reason to believe in the New Orleans Saints. In case you missed it, New Orleans Saints still have $14 million to spend right now, approximately $14 million. Now, there's a difference between cap space and what they call effective cap space. Effective cap space takes into consideration kind of operating costs like signing your draft class and things like that. And that's probably going to be somewhere just under $4 million for the Saints in 2023, depending upon how they trade up, move around, things like that. The fewer picks they make, potentially the less amount, the least lesser amount of money they spend. But if they move up from 29 to something in the lower 20s or, or, or something else like that, then there's a chance that they end up um, you know, spending a little bit more money because they, as you creep up the first round, you're spending uh, more money. So I look at New Orleans as a team with $14 million to spend, then I go, okay, well, where could they spend some of that money? Well, defensive interior is still a big part of that. Ashawn Robinson, Al Woods, who the Saints drafted years ago. I know he's 35, but goodness, if you, if you watched him, if you watched the Saints and Seattle Seahawks game last year, he was wrecking the saints up front and so guys like that i think you can still add uh you might still be able to find some other pieces in free agency that you can also continue to add but otherwise you kind of hold on to that money and then you allow it to roll over into next year and that could be a big time chunk that gets cut out of your overages for next year that you don't have to restructure out of and things like that because whatever you don't spend in 2023 will roll over into the next season and impact what your cap space ends up looking like in 2024 so that's a way that they could end up going in case you missed it, New Orleans Saints re-signed linebacker Andrew Dowell, mostly a special teams player for the New Orleans Saints. He is a core special teamer and a key special teamer. You might call him a special teams ace. We spoke with him uh, on, what was that, Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, um, to kind of just, you know, well, you know, congratulate him and, and, and see how he's feeling about the new deal and all those other things. And, and one of the guys that he talked about was Craig Robertson, the former New Orleans Saints linebacker, uh, who really became a mainstay for the New Orleans Saints. He was like one of the top locker room guys, all that as well. And he was a special teams captain. And Andrew Dowell kind of laid it out there that Craig Robertson is sort of the guy that he's modeled himself after in a way, you know, in terms of being a special teams player, but also ready to contribute on defense uh, should he is ever called to do so. He hasn't got many opportunities at all to do that latter part, but former, he is a massively important part of the New Orleans Saints uh, special teams unit. And the Saints, by the way, have clearly focused in on their special teams. They they re-signed JT Gray to a three-year deal. They brought back Isaac Yadam, who was the top gunner opposite Gray. Now they bring back Andrew Dowell. Their focus on special teams has been evident over the course of the season. They don't want to drop off there while they're still trying to improve other spots on the roster. And they add another body to their linebacker room, which is important after the loss of Caden Ellis. Dowell also mentioned that the sort of development of Caden Ellis kind of emboldens him a little bit, the word that Mike Triplett used from over at New Orleans.football to like want to continue to develop his path, all of those other things. Uh, finally, at least for this part, before we get to some of those pre-draft visits and, and, and private workouts, uh, in case you missed it, Foster Moreau, New Orleans Saints, uh, maybe future tight end, we'll see, but more importantly, former Las Vegas Raiders tight end who spent some time with Derek Carr, of course, in Vegas, came back to New Orleans to finish his physical this past week. So I assume that as things progress with the physical and they found the, the Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis, that things didn't completely 
finish up. So Foster Moreau has been away kind of dealing with all that, but then comes back to New Orleans and finishes the physical, which is a really interesting choice because the Saints could still sign Foster Moreau, put him on the non-football injury list, and then see if he's ready to be cleared by midseason. And if he is, he could return to practice and be a big time ringer down the stretch for the New Orleans Saints at tight end. So something really to to look at there. And it's very low risk because when you're a player on the NFI list and on football injury list, you're not guaranteed to be paid your salary. Now you can work out a deal with the team to get some type of compensation. And certainly that feels like something the New Orleans Saints would do. But how excellent would that be for Foster Moreau to sign with the New Orleans Saints and then them effectively, effectively put him on ice. And then once he's done with his battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma, he's going to be ready to come back to the game of football. It's a whole conversation of when, not if for him. And so why not have him on your team and on contract ready to go so that he can be the guy that helps you a ton toward the you know stretch part of the season. So that would be a really cool move for New Orleans to you know keep the local guy around, Jesuit High School, LSU Tiger, all those things. So something to watch that that conversation with Foster Moreau might not be over despite the life-changing diagnosis that he was given initially during his first physical visit. All right, coming up next, let's catch up on all of the pre-draft visits and private workouts you need to know from this week, including one, Adetomoa Adabare from Northwestern, why he would be such a good fit in New Orleans. We'll break that down as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The NBA playoffs are on the way. The New Orleans Pelicans have clinched a play-in game. Can they continue on into the playoffs? I'll be there Friday for that game, as always. If you see me, say hi. Uh, But if you want to get in on a little bit of the NBA action, a little bit of the Pels action, you can do that. You want to get in on that nine and a half win total for the New Orleans Saints, you can get in on that. And of course, much, much more as well with the MLB having now I had their first pitch, their opening day, they're going into their second week or their third week now, and so much else that you can find over at FanDuel.com or on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is super safe, super secure, and super easy to use as well. And don't forget, if you're a new customer, it's even better for you because you can get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets that come back to you if your first bet doesn't win. To get that, all you have to do is head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on. It's going to get you that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Once again, that is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with the pre-draft visits and the private workouts that you need to know from this week as the New Orleans Saints continue to express interest in some of the top NFL draft prospects. Speaking of NFL draft, for my everydayers out there, don't forget Locked on Saints on Monday. It's Mock Draft Monday, so you won't want to miss that as we continue to look at what the certain possibilities can be in the NFL Draft. And we're only three weeks away from the NFL Draft as well, so you're not going to want to miss that. All right, so let's start off with the uh, what I think might be the the biggest workout and the biggest um, you know visit that the Saints have had so far this week. It was a private visit, so it does not count as a top thirty workout. Right? Excuse me. Sorry. 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 I mixed up that language. It was a private workout, so it's not necessarily the same thing as a top 30 visit. Top 30 visit, you bring players to your facility, all those other things. And as we've discussed before, top 30 visits does not indicate that they believe that this player is a top 30 player or anything like that. That's just sometimes the way that the schedule works out and they want to bring a guy over to get a look. And a lot of times it's come and get your physical done with our medical staff, that type of approach as well, kind of the Hooker approach. But Adetomo Adabare was a private workout. The Saints went and worked with him. 
How does he fit for the New Orleans Saints? Well, every way, I guess. Six foot one, 280 plus pounds, incredibly athletic, completely destroyed the combine, looked amazing throughout the, the scouting combine week, um, has looked great in terms of you know where he could potentially fall in this year's draft. This would be a player that if the Saints draft him at 29, I'd be perfectly okay with it. If they waited to see if he was around at 40, I'd also be perfectly okay with it. If the Saints were to draft him at 29, then maybe they could pick up a guy like Jack Campbell or Drew Sanders, a linebacker that can have some immediate impact for you at 40, something like that. So there's a lot of different ways for the Saints to go about how they address their defensive line. But Adetomo Watabare is one of the best fits for them to be able to get that done. Incredibly athletic, very disruptive has you know the edge rusher experience, but can also be bounced to the inside, although I like him a lot more as an edge rusher than I do as a three tech, but hey, do what you got to do. Um, I really, really love that the Saints spent time with him and got that private workout in, so that's a big one. Uh, the Saints also did a private workout with a cornerback, and they've actually visited with a couple of different corners so far over the course of the season. They met our offseason. They visited with the uh, Maryland corner not too long ago. There's actually a list of Maryland players that they've uh, visited with and uh, a couple of others. But they, they've also seen a couple of LSU Tigers here as well, doing some private workouts with cornerback Makai Gardner, as well as defensive tackle Jacqueline Roy. Now, Makai Gardner is seen to be one of those players that's going to probably be a, you know, mid, mid-round, kind of third, fourth, fifth round kind of guy uh, at best. And all, he's got good size, he's got good speed, all of those things. He's just not, you know, as developed as maybe a Joey Porter Jr., of course, and things like that, which, by the way, we'll be speaking about him here in just a moment. Jacqueline Roy is a really interesting one because the measurables are absolutely there, six foot three or so, 200, you know, over 300 pounds or just under 300 pounds, and, you know, very disruptive, talented interior defensive lineman, however, doesn't really have the athletic profile that you expect for a New Orleans Saints draft pick. New Orleans also had a pre-draft visit with one of the top corners in this year's NFL draft class, Penn State corner, uh, Joey Porter Jr. Yes, the son of that Joey Porter. And this visit, kind of just like the Will Anderson visit, can be information gathering, can be, you know, interest presenting, it can be medical checks, all of those things. But there's a whole lot of kind of like looking at Joey Porter Jr. And I've heard a lot of people kind of compare him to Greedy Williams, formerly of the LSU Tigers got to the NFL, just didn't really pan out. There's kind of that perception of Joey Porter Jr. So teams getting a closer look at him is wise because what if he's a corner that falls, right? And you just never know. Sometimes this can happen in the NFL. We watched Lamar Jackson tumble down the boards. We've watched DK Metcalf tumble down the boards on and on and on and on. There's always example after example after example of players not going where the majority of people expected them to go. So it's a little bit of, you know, being ready in case something like that happens, or maybe that's a guy that they would like to trade up for if he falls to a certain range and things like that. So there's, there's some interesting stuff there, but Joey Porter Jr. was one of the other visits there. And then finally, two other Maryland visits. These, I believe, were both top 30 visits. Wide receiver uh, Rakeem Jarrett, as well as, D, as well as left tackle Jalen Duncan. These are really big names for you here. Uh, we'll start off with the wide receiver, uh, Rakeem Jarrett. Um, He's somebody that is probably going to be a you know third, fourth, fifth round. That's kind of where he is right in the middle of the draft. 5'11", 193 pounds, had 62 catches for 829 yards and five touchdowns in 2022. 4'4", speed, so really good 40-yard dash time there. The question marks around him are going to come down to drops and concentration. So those are things that the New Orleans Saints tend to have very little patience with at the position. So bringing him in for a little bit of a visit gives you an opportunity to kind of be able to measure that out 
and figure out if that's something you feel you're going to be able to coach up and improve if you were to select him. So definitely a player to watch. 5'11", 193, puts him right around where Chris Olave was, who is at 6'194". So he's not really outside the prototype of what the New Orleans Saints like at wide receiver these days. So a name to watch there in Rakeem Jarrett. And then with Jalen Duncan, this is interesting. The Saints spend a lot of time with some of these tackles out in these streets. And I don't think that that's a bad decision. Six foot five, 306 pounds, 5'140, pretty mobile, 31 and a half inch vert as well. It's not bad for 306 pounds and six foot five. Um, six foot five might be something you look at and go, well, for the Saints, it might be a little bit too short. So is he somebody they could potentially bounce inside? I don't know. But, you know, I mean, you look at the injury history of Ryan Ramchek, you look at the recent, you know, uh, situation with, uh, Trevor Penning, who was drafted and then bookended his seasons with a turf toe injury to start the beginning of the year, and then the Liz Frank injury to end the year. Uh, maybe building up def- uh, building up offensive tackle depth is not a bad choice for the New Orleans Saints uh, based upon the injuries that they're dealing with. Gives you an opportunity then to let James Hurst maybe challenge on the inside. Uh, maybe you have more consistent you know depth at tackle and at guard and at center for a change, which is something the Saints don't usually have. There's a lot of this person got injured, so we're going to move this player over here. We're going to take this guard and play him at tackle or take that tackle, play him at guard, all those other things. Maybe drafting a tackle could be in the cards for the New Orleans Saints in the right situation, depending upon you know who's calling, uh, what other players are available, what pick we're talking about. There's so many different factors here. But maybe there's an opportunity to draft a tackle so that you can more further specialize your depth on the offensive line. So uh, a name like Jalen Duncan would be a great selection for the team if it's the right selection based upon who else is on the table. So a lot to watch there. All right, family, they get you all caught up with everything you need to know around the New Orleans Saints from a busy, busy week, as it always is, as well as a look at what those touchdowns could look like for Jamal Williams and other uh, fun stuff. So I'm so excited as we wrap up another week here, getting ready to start up another week right on Monday, which will be our mock draft Mondays from our Locked On Who That's, the everydayers out there. Don't miss Monday. The New Orleans Saints tend to surprise with small school prospects early on in the draft. So let's take a look at who those small school prospects are and then do a mock draft that maybe brings in one of those guys just so that we're prepared and you've heard the name in case something like that were to happen again here in 2023. So we got that coming up for you on Monday. Appreciate you as always. Make it Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day for your second listen. Go and check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Uh, which is available to you every single Monday through Friday with the Draft Dudes as well. Appreciate you as always. Make me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. Big shout out to Sean, um, who, you know, no relation. <laughs> Good to see you, man. Appreciate you uh, for shouting me out and saying hello uh, on, what was that, Thursday. So appreciate y'all as always uh, for always taking the time to do that. I tell you all the time, you changed my life. So I appreciate you very much. As always, if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.